This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. And thank you to our special sponsors, Iris Software, iris.co.uk. Martin, you saw a great video just recently from Iris, didn't you? Yeah, what I think people don't understand about Iris is they were ahead of the game for MTD Phase 1 because they were the first software vendor to be listed as approved by the HMRC for MTD filing. And guess what? They're fully prepared for the next. So they've got an MTD webinar on demand that you can catch up with at any time. Rob, where do they go to to see this? It's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. That stands for making tax digital for our international listeners. And there's some great stuff there that you need to know to guide you through the whole making tax digital initiative. So iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. Right, Martin? That's right. So wherever you are in your journey, Iris know that they have the knowledge and tools to help you in the next steps. That's iris.co.uk forward slash MTD webinar. To all you busy accounting practitioners and the accounting fintech people that serve them in the whole ecosystem, it's time to stop what you're doing and tune into the Accounting Influencers Podcast. It's Rob Brown here with Martin Bissett, my co-host. We've been in this game 20, 25 years. We're based in the UK, but we go out to 144 countries, over 20,000 listeners, and we've got over 100,000 downloads now. It's a daily radio-style show. It's CPE accredited. It's commercially backed, and it's social media promoted, and we are thrilled to have you with us for the journey. Martin, what is coming up in this week's show? I'm not sure we need anything more than that. What more could they ask for? Well, in the news, we usually bring you information about what's going on in the profession as we believe it best applies to our listenership. And we don't really tell you what's going on with the Accounting Influencers organization. And the two worlds have combined. So in the news this week, we let you know all about what's happening at Accountex with a specific focus about the fact that this podcast We'll be broadcasting live at Accountex. For those of you overseas, Accountex is Europe's, if not the world's largest show for accountants, which features CPE accredited talks um, and all kinds of different demonstrations on new technology and basically what's coming up for the profession. We will be there. We will be live. We will be there on both days as well. And if you want to come and be a part of it, give your opinion, be interviewed, or just basically scream at us. You're very, very welcome to come and join us there. We'll go into it in more detail in that new section. Terrific. And I interview Hitendra Patil. He's the author of The Definitive Success Guide to, Cl- Count- to Client Accounting Services, CAS. And his previous bestseller was called Accountaneur, the Entrepreneurial Accountant. So he's been in this game a long time. He's one of the top 100 most influential people in accounting. And he's going to be sharing with us how accounting firms and accountants themselves are coping with the global pandemic, why accounting is not so much a knowledge or service business, but actually is an impact business. And what people think most when they hear the word accountant, there's that and a lot more with Hachandra Patil. That's easy for you to say, Rob, but what works is what matters. And what works for accountants when it comes to attracting grade A clients. Now, I know what you're like. Your practice takes on just about anything that walks in the door. No, we don't, Martin, you're wrong, says the listener. And they say, we only bring in our very best clients, the clients that we really want to work with that fit our client avatar. Hmm, I'm not sure I believe you, but doesn't matter because what I do know is that just about every firm wants to attract grade A clients. What is a grade A client? It's whatever you decide a grade A client is. It's your own specification. It's different from practice to practice. However, generally speaking, there are some common threads. We pick up those common threads and sew them together with a little strategy 
for attracting grade A clients. And then coming up on our expert interview this week, one of my favorite guests, Sam Allred from the Upstream Academy. We're having Sam on a number of times. He's just got some amazing things to share about leadership and what works in accounting firms. And he's particularly focused in this interview on having a stellar accounting career. So focusing on you as an individual, what do you need to do to get promoted? What do you need to do to have a voice in the firm, to increase your influence, to have more autonomy, more flexibility, more control, more choice with your accounting career? What is it that separates the good accountants from the great ones? That's Sam Allred from the Upstream Academy on building a stellar accounting career. Martin, we've also got a bonus on Saturday, haven't we? We have indeed. And this Why Didn't They Buy series appears to be very, very popular. This is finding out when a client did not choose to join your firm, the reason you claim it didn't go ahead versus the reason the client actually thought it didn't go ahead. And there is some serious disparity here. And you've talked to both sides, Martin, haven't you, on this? So you know. We're talking to both sides on this, and it's always always like a breakup. The boyfriend has one reason, the girlfriend has another reason. Listen to the girlfriend. And so on this, we take a look at what happens when the client or potential client that didn't come on board says, ah, oh, this firm seemed unsure on to how to price the engagement. I seem to want more than they're used to ask delivering. I seem to ask for something that was outside of their standard packages and they couldn't think on their feet. We take a look at what happens when that's the reason a client doesn't come on board and that's why they didn't buy. And we run these Saturday bonuses because we recognize that pretty much all accounting practitioners are charged with creating new opportunities for the firm, building a pipeline of new clients and uh, new deals, making sure that revenue is coming in rather than just being a cost base for the firm. So that business development, that sales side, bringing in new clients is really important to you. And we want to equip you with all the tools and skills that we can to do that better. So that is our Accounting Influencers podcast for this week. You can get everything on this Monday episode. You can get standalone segments Tuesday through Friday and the bonus episode on a Saturday. We welcome our hundreds of new listeners this week. Thank you to our commercial partners. I think we're ready to get going, Martin, aren't we? Go on then, let's do it. The Accounting Influencers Podcast. Cutting through the crap to bring you the very best interviews, insights, and wisdom. From the planet's most influential people in the accounting and fintech world. The Accounting Influencers Podcast. It's time for the news. That means something new, something gossipy, something groundbreaking, something earth-shattering. Martin, what is on the menu this week? Well, guys, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember Live Aid. You know, those are perhaps more millennial amongst our listenership might go, what, what, what Band-Aid? What's, what's that? Live Aid, guys. Quick history lesson for you in a new section. Live Aid was the first ever global uh, event. They called it the Global Jukebox, a concert held that was broadcast around the world back before that technology really existed to be able to do that. One in London, one in Philadelphia. And um, during the concert, there was a booth that was going on while all the people were outside, you know, in rocking away inside the booth, they were broadcasting to uh, viewers all around the world, explaining what the purpose of their mission was and bringing them uh, updates as they went along. Well, are we doing live aid? Yes, we are. But in the accounting profession, so Accountex comes back to the Excel in May of this year. It is going to be possibly the biggest Accountex of all time. It's already the biggest show in Europe, possibly the world for accountants. And the Accounting Influencers podcast, yep, this thing you get CPE for, the Accounting Influencers podcast will be there broadcasting live. Now, Rob, 
you're as big a part, if not bigger part of this than I am. So from the broadcast booth at the Excel in London, what will listeners, whether they're attending Accountex or not, be looking forward to? What can they expect? Well, this is such an exciting lineup. I do most of the interviews here on the Accounting Influence podcast, and, and it's a joy to do that. And we get all kinds of interesting guests on the show as you've listened to, you wonderful 20,000 listeners. We're going to be bringing some of them into the live booth at Accountex. If you go to accountex.co.uk forward slash London, this is a live in-person event. Over two days, 11th and 12th of May, you will get more details of the exhibitors, the partners, and the kind of audience that comes to this show. Get your CPD points. We'll be bringing people in the booth off the stands, off the keynotes, off the seminars, talking to them about what they've been talking about, what they want to share. And we'll be broadcasting live, Martin, won't we, to all corners of the world while the show is going on for the benefit of those people that can't be there or those that can be there but just want to take the feed through their earphones while they're walking around. Yeah, we're bringing Accountex to you guys. So if you are going to be there on day one and not day two and you're wondering what you missed, we'll cover it for you. If you're going to be there on day two and wondering what you missed on day one, we'll cover it for you. If you're not going to be there on either day one or day two and wondering what the fuss is about, we'll cover that for you. And if you are at Accountex and you see myself or Rob coming towards you, you're in deep trouble because we're probably going to ask to interview you. And if we know you, you're even even deeper trouble because we'll come to you first. So this is the first of its kind. And we're delighted and are very grateful and express our gratitude now to Diversified, the organizers of Accountex who have put this, uh, made this possible for us as a, uh, as, as sort of a partnership effort. And uh, we will be right next to the Accountex team in the offices there at the Excel. And we will be also be on the floor. And also you'll be able to catch us as speakers as well on the day. So it really is going to be an action-packed agenda. So if you're coming to Accountex, get the vibe as you go. And if you're not going to be able to be there, get the vibe from wherever you are. Yeah, it is groundbreaking. And it is the biggest event in Europe of its kind. And there's a lot of people come from all over the world, both to exhibit and to just walk the floors and get a handle on what is happening in the profession, Martin. And they do exactly that. That This seems to be the meeting place. This seems to be the I'll find out who's who and what's going on all on in one event sort of thing. And Accountex has long served that role, you know, for pr practitioners. Practitioners have chosen of all the conferences they could go to, to pick that one as this is from the practitioners I talk to, their feedback is that it seems to be the one place where you can get a real feel for all of the current subjects, everything they need to be aware of, everything in terms of new product innovation for their practice that they need to be aware of and get a who's who as well of who is hot, who is not, who's talking sense and who's on the other stage. So on that basis, guys, we very much encourage you to come to Accountex. This is not a, here's your pass to get away from Accountex. You need to be there. But if you can't be there for all of it, and most people can't, then we've got the solution for you. So you will see us or you will hear us at Europe's biggest event. It is a global occasion. It is a big party and it's agnostic. So there's no leaning towards any particular vendors. All's fair. Go and hear all the messages. Get yourself clued in. And that is the news for this week. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly. Really fly. The Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett.
Welcome to the show, and I'm thrilled to have you today, all the way from New York, Hitendra Patil. Good day, sir. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so thrilled to be here. Well, Hitendra, people may not have heard of you, so tell us a little bit about your background and your areas of expertise. I've been in the accounting profession for the last 16 years or so. Before that, I was in the capital market, all through technology-enabled services profession, and numbers and technology has been a part of my life. I work with the accountants world as a director of customer success and accountants world basically sells its solutions only to accounting firms, not to their clients. Then I wrote a book on account tenure. And in my day-to-day work, I interact with accountants all the time. So that gives me more insight into what's working, what's not working for the accounting profession and the accountants and the accounting firms of different sizes. When you talk to these accountants all the time, what Mm -hmm. sense do you get of how they are coping with what is happening right now? I think one of the key things that happened was because of all these government PPP loans they call here, uh, that is, you know, providing money for small businesses as loans that can be forgiven. So most of the accountants actually got busy helping clients get those loans. We were uh, definitely worried as to what will happen to accountants' businesses because we were looking at numbers coming in in terms of unemployment rates going up uh, significantly and sharply. Mm. And will that affect accountants? its clients obviously are dead, but overall uh, accountants seem to have coped uh, pretty well, although they've been uh, almost doing pro bono work without really charging for their uh, mm-hmm. services to get those loans and things like that. Yeah. So it's been a mixed bag, but it uh, hasn't been as bad as we feared once upon a time. Now, you said that accounting is not a service business and it's not a knowledge business. So what is accounting to you? In my mind, accounting is an impact business, meaning as an accountant, and whatever you do for your clients, if that work does not have an impact on their lives, on their professions, on their businesses, all that you're doing really is providing uh, some kind of numbers to the clients and that does not work. And uh, if you look at accounting as a perception, you know, I did a little survey uh, or a poll rather, and that was not uh, exposed to accountants, just to the general public and say, okay, when you hear the word accountant, uh, what comes to your mind? What are the- <laughs> and as expected, uh, uh, I got responses like tax return, yeah. valid financial statements. Compliance-based things. Yeah. yeah. So that is a necessity and uh, people want to pay as less as possible for a necessity when you have to do things. Yeah, it's commoditized to tender, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Most successful accountants, people who had uh, uh, not necessarily larger practices, but people, uh, accountants who were really happy doing what they were doing, they were delivering uh, immense impact to uh, their business clients and mm-hmm. even to individual clients to some extent when they're doing their tax planning and things like that. So I realized at that point in time, if, if your outcomes are impacting, positively impacting your clients' lives, that is accounting. Yeah, that makes really good sense. And you coined this term accountanteurs, which I'm guessing is a cross between accountants and entrepreneurs. And I'm going to ask you how you came about that name, but it is important, isn't it, that accountants think like business owners because they're not brought up to be entrepreneurs, but that's how they can make the most impact. So tell us about this term accountanteurs. Yeah, uh, that actually came up uh, after a lot of brewing, I would say. (laughs) I was talking to a lot of accountants, even in my previous company, I used to offer services to 
two accounting professions. I could feel after like a couple of years, two different categories of accountants. And one time, a firm owner from Cincinnati, Ohio, here in the US, I spoke with him, uh, Alex, uh, how do you differentiate yourself from other accountants? I'm not an accountant, I'm an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and my business is accounting. And that triggered a thought in my mind. And then I kind of you know, looked at all my clients and tried to remember as much as possible my interactions with them. And I could figure out that more successful accountants were thinking like their client. Yeah. So they were actually, as they say, the old cliche, that, okay, be in your client's shoes, yeah. living that uh, thing day in, day out. And uh, they wouldn't take decisions uh, in terms of practice and compliance, but in terms of uh, their own business. They wouldn't call uh, their practices a practice, they'd call it a business. And that told me accountants who are entrepreneurs seem to be more successful. Uh, now, this may not be true always, but that led to my called account tenure. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. And you've been sharing a lot of insights around client accounting services or CAS as you call it. So tell us why that's a little bit different to what accountants have traditionally been doing. Again, I go back to this uh, thing called impact. What I definitely mean by client accounting services is if you control the books, if you control the accounting as an accountant, your ability to deliver those insights based on which your impact are delivered increases significantly. And that is where client accounting services comes in place. So if you do after the fact, you know, a review kind of uh, the work, by the time you deliver insights to your clients, it's a post-facto post-mortem and it does not help. And one thing that I have noticed in the last three, four years that I've been working on CAS uh, pretty uh, deeply is your ability to work with your clients near real time helps you deliver insights in time to help your clients make those critical business decisions. Yeah. And where the whole impact really comes to life. So is another phrase for a CAS simply advisory services for clients? Is it similar to that, Hitender? Uh, good question, Rob. Uh, CAS and uh, some people call it CAAS, Client Accounting and Advisory Services. Some people okay. name it as Client Advisory Services. There has been this confusion for some time. But typical, okay, let's say somebody uh, comes to you as an accountant and say, okay, brings three years of balance sheet or financial statements. Hey, Mr. Accountant, can you advise me? That's a very hard thing to do because you might you know, look at that for an hour and you still wouldn't know what business decisions uh, made or not made late to those uh, numbers that you're seeing. Mm. So in, in my opinion, if you can control or if you can participate in that accounting creation while the business is happening or even before business owners take that decision, then uh, only you can uh, deliver advice to your clients. So advisory emerges from accounting. It's not the other way around. You know? Yeah, I understand. And, and for that reason, you would say that client advisory and accounting solutions, that's the future model for accounting firms. I definitely feel so. There's one critical reason for that as well. If you look at, uh, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, internet wasn't uh, as powerful as it is today. Today, the, so the word so the cloud solutions has become so synonymous with uh, most of the software. But in the olden days when uh, cloud was not there, uh, the desktop software meant uh, the business owners, typically the small business owners, had to keep the software in their offices and they would give a copy to the accountants when they needed or when they wanted. And uh, that kind of did not allow accountants to deliver uh, near real-time advice to the clients. Because of this uh, newer technology, it has become 
become possible for uh, you as an accountant to deliver advice when it matters, not, you know, oh, you could have done this or you could have done that. I read somewhere that you pulled off the largest survey in the United States around client accounting services. What were some of the key insights from that, Hitendra? Yeah, that was uh, unbelievable. You know, it's, uh, when the survey was published, we got like 8,000 plus responses. Firms of all sizes uh, responded to that, including solo practitioners to the top 100 firms in the United States. 90% of the respondents were owners or managing partners of their firms. So decision makers really participated in that survey. Right. And what we found was even solo practitioners were offering cash or wanting to offer cash. And that ratio went from 1 as to 4, 1 as to 5 in that one, one firm not offering versus 5 firms offering cash to 1 in 18, uh, 1 as to 18, that is 18 firms offering cash in that typical 5 to 20 employees, uh, small firms, which is the largest population of accounting firms in the US. And then we saw that there are seven top services that most accountants uh, say that are part of their CAS package. And there are five more that uh, constitute about 12 different services that uh, accounting firms offer under CAS umbrella. When I looked at firms that do not offer CAS, those firms were offering about five to six services. It means uh, for every firm that offers CAS versus uh, that does not offer CAS, the ratio was one as to two. So if you don't offer CAS, you're offering one service, whereas uh, the CAS firm offers double the number of services. Yeah. And that led me to another uh, insight uh, from the survey itself as to what's the size of the firm that's offering these services. Typically, you would say, oh, if you want to offer more services, you will need more staff, right? But that was not necessarily true. So which means uh, the firms that were offering CAS uh, predominantly had their workflows in place, their technology had optimized their effort, they were using a lot of automation uh, in their offices. So their number of staff members was not necessarily larger just uh, to offer those higher uh, level of or higher number of services. So those were some of the key things that came up in those top seven services that I mentioned. One was really a surprise to me, although it's a good thing uh, that I felt good about was uh, payroll services. Payroll once upon a time was all pain, no gain. There was no technology that could automate uh, at the you know ground levels. The big payroll companies had massive computers, mainframes and things like that. That made it possible for them to make profits, but not at the uh, small account and uh, firm levels. Yeah. And plus, compliance has been always uh, you know very complex. But over the last uh, 10 years or so, payroll technologies have evolved. A lot of compliance has gone into the core itself. No? Yeah. So that makes it profitable for firms to offer payroll accounting services, uh, bill payment services, right up till their taxes, sales tax, computation, and uh, compliance. That has uh, grown like uh, anything. Advisory, by the way, is still picking up. And the, the ratio came to about 40% firms saying they offer a real advisory service, which means they have package that is defined for advisory, which means what is the advice do they give at what frequency and at what price? When you speak to a client and you know the client asks some questions and you talk about it, that's not really advisory. You have to monetize your advisory. And that is what I found about 40% firms. Uh, and that grew like 20%, maybe three years, four years ago to 40% now. Yeah. So with Accountants World, your company, you help 
accountants all over the world. What kind of things do you help them with? Accountants World uh, has been dedicated to uh, accountants. The single line commitment is we will not sell our software to accountants' clients. Accountants, in turn, can give access to their clients if they wish to, depending upon how comfortable the accountant is in terms of the ability of the client to manage uh, accounting uh, transactions in, in software, which means at every point in time in our development, in our processes, we're always thinking, how will an accountant use this particular solution in their office and what kind of services they can offer given uh, this kind of a design of the service. And plus, because it's always been 100% cloud. In fact, the word cloud was not there when this company uh, started building products on uh, internet. It used to be called the internet-based or the web-based solution. So we were a little ahead of time. And uh, then we uh, looked at, okay, what do small businesses want to really do in their offices using an accounting software? Obviously, small businesses cannot afford uh, sophisticated, high-end ERP solutions. So we found that many small businesses actually use the accounting software as like a mini micro ERP to do business transactions like uh, no write checks, issue invoices, and things like that. So then we decided, okay, let's give a collaborative access to the clients to do only those functions that they're required to do. And then uh, we added a payroll solutions. Solution payroll relief uh, is one of the most automated payroll solutions uh, out there in the market here in the United States and that's sold exclusively to accounting and payroll firms. And around that, we have uh, four or five other products that are all uh, integrated uh, at the back end, uh, really core, which means if you want to uh, use five different solutions for a given client, you can switch between those solutions in one click. So you don't have to log in and log out for every different solution for the same client. So we obviously had to you know look at how best we can help uh, accountants. It's not just the technology. And if you look at the technology spend of an accounting firm uh, on a technology or accounting or a payroll software, it may not be more than one or two percent of the total revenue. So there is a lot that goes around the software processes, training of uh, staff, even training of clients who want to use. So we decided we will give another whole spectrum of uh, inputs, insights, and support to accountants. So we built around uh, concierge onboardings, uh, help desk, uh, and all trained in accountants' processes. They're not just technology troubleshooters. What will an accountant need to be successful in his or her practice? And obviously, we were talking to our own customers, accounting firms who grew and who were successful. What are they doing differently that others are not? So we deliver a lot of insights. Uh, we deliver expert webinars throughout the year. So we call uh, uh, quite a number of influencers to come in and share different insights with our audience of accountants. And you've mentioned technology a lot, Hitendra, in your answers. Do you feel that the technology is taking over? What's coming up for the accounting world in your mind? Yeah, as I've been uh, reading about it, a lot of talk about automation, AI, BART, machine learning, and things like that. And then the Oxford survey, I think it was, uh, which said 94% of accountants' work will be disappearing because of uh, technology. And I got uh, very perturbed with that when I (laughs) for the first time. So how did they come up with uh, this kind of uh, number? So then I go into dictionaries to find how is accounting defined or the word accountant is defined. And if you look at dictionaries even now, those definitions seem to be from the year 1900, not 20. Accountants do ton more work uh, than what those definitions mean. And then I go into, okay, compliance, defined work. And obviously anything that is defined or governed by a rule is pretty much well-defined. 
fine and hence it is possible to core that into the program so that can be done but what about connecting the dots what about understanding a client's business what about relating a client's business decision or not making a decision to the numbers that come up to be so there's a lot of that work that is not easy for technology to replicate so i actually you know wrote a piece on that called why your child won't be an accountant and that's <laughs> not that accounting profession is losing its sheen but because accounting's perception is something that needs to be changed accountants are not just balance sheets and tax returns yeah. so that came to be uh, one of the most uh, viral uh, articles in the profession i remember somebody telling me the nasba chairman here said okay that's the article that made the most impact on him after that i wrote a series of uh, posts about why automation is not a threat for you you know it actually gives the more profitability to accounting firms provided you look at it uh, differently and you upgrade yourself so if you still you uh, know go into preparing uh, right up uh, you know for, uh, after the fact balance sheets and just tax pure tax returns uh, you might feel the heat but if you upgrade yourself uh, towards the higher end of the spectrum cas and advisory then uh, you will actually ride the automation wave yeah that makes good sense hey tender it's been great talking to you today if accountants listening want to learn more about the survey the research that you're doing and read some of the great stuff and perhaps even work with you what's a good way for them to reach you the best way is go on my linkedin profile and connect with me that's the social media platform that i use the most and cpa trend lines is where i publish a lot of my posts accounting today accounting web there are multiple publications but you know get in touch with me on linkedin because wherever i publish i do post something about it on linkedin so you'll always know that's great and would you leave us with some advice for the accounting firms listen to help them overcome the challenges posed by covid and the economy the potential recession that is coming up it's going to be a tough 2021 so how would you encourage them you know i'll go back to the beginning of uh, our discussion today rob uh, when we said okay we were surprised that accountants were more busy uh, and one of the things i distinctly remember one of our top customers a great firm the owner of the firm said i have calls booked every half an hour 12 hours a day i never spoke to my clients so much and that is one of the biggest keys for you to overcome the challenges of this economy that is take back your relationships with your client you know among all other things you're building your office your processes your technology your know-how your wisdom among all of that the most precious asset that you have is your client relationship so you start talking to them this is a time when they need a real professional advice from you and you talk to them you find out where they are struggling give them those insight don't try to sell anything right now because i know a friend in need is a friend indeed people remember if you you know look at the science of influence and behavior sciences reciprocation is one of the top six traits of human beings so if you help now uh, they are going to help you uh, in future plus take back what you have offloaded to others just because you thought oh it's too much time it will take for me to process use this automation you can take uh, services like payroll back into your in fact that's really something surprising that we are noticing uh, even now a lot of firms uh, actually wanting to offer payroll services here at least in the US what i'm trying to indicate is your clients are still buying some of the services that you are not necessarily selling to those clients but you can so look at that yeah well hitendra patel that's been wonderful thank you so much for your time and your insights today thank you arab it's been pleasure thank you for thinking of me and for this opportunity
And so in this week's Here's What Works, we talked to a lot of accountants, Martin, don't we, about winning grade A clients. And they talk about it. I'm not sure how much they know about what a grade A client is and what exactly is involved in winning grade A clients. So tell us what works. Well, first of all, definition of terms, because we always use the term on this podcast, Robert, accounting firm. That's such a broad brush. That's a one-man band in their bedroom. That's an accounting firm. That's through to Deloitte, PwC, Ernst & Young. That's an accounting firm. You know, So it's a very broad brush. And of course, the circumstances are different in each case, but the principles, they're the same. Now, I often get asked, you know, how do, how do I get some grade A clients? Man? As if you can just suddenly turn a tap on, they magically appear. You charge them a lot of money, happy days. I know the terms like grade A are available. Like, how do I get some of the best clients? How do I get the clients that I really want or the most profitable clients? They're all grade A, aren't they? Gold clients, premium clients. Yeah, all of these things. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. And because the firms are used to referral-based growth, in other words, you don't sell to anybody, it lands on your lap. Somebody phones you up, somebody sends you an email, somebody inquires through your website, and they've pretty much made the decision to work with you anyway. You've just got to get the price and the proposal right. So, so firms aren't used to proactively developing new business. And so on that basis, winning creme de la creme clients is not an easy process if it doesn't fall on your lap already. So here's something for you as to here's what works when you want to do this. The most successful accounting firm marketing I have ever experienced is where accounting firms have articulated client stories. You've heard that one before, but here's the bit you haven't heard. In places where those grade A clients are actually looking. Let's break this down for you. Let's unpack this. Okay. So telling stories, you've heard about this a million times. Don't do the, don't do the testimonial because everyone's got one of those. Don't do the case study because it's very generic, formulaic, boilerplates. Yeah, that sort of thing. But how about success stories? Stories where we learn all about a business's journey, adventure, mishap, all of their turning points, all of their sliding doors moments, all of your interventions, everything that has brought them success. Obstacles overcome, emotions uh, experienced, it's all in there. Absolutely. And you know, when it ends in success, clients often want to want to do this and actually do this for you and, and, uh, and let people know that they have become successful. But the second part is the bit that gets missed. Place those stories where potential clients are looking. So think this through. If we just stick, if we just come up with a story, put it on an email once, put it out to our list, that's the end of that. Uh, utility is, is minor. If we are constantly repurposing those stories in video, audio, written format, on the website, in the emails, in the social media, over and over again, we need to understand where our potential clients are looking. So for example, a grade A client in your town, where can they be found? Are they at the business networking meeting? Are they a Freemason? Are they at the sports club? Are they in the uh, upmarket wine bar in your town? Where does the grade A client hang out? Who does the grade A client talk to? Who does the grade A client look to for advice? What does the grade A client read? Because whatever those answers are, that's where our stories need to be found. We need to have other people telling them. We have to have them being broadcast where they're looking. So there's a little bit of science to this. And for an accounting firm, this is a little bit like rocket science. So what has to happen here is we have to bring in a marketing professional who understands these concepts so that they can take your stories out to market. And we're entitling this, how to attract 
grade A clients. This is not the winning them. We can do that another time. But you're right. This is a marketing job. But it's not solely down to the marketing department to tell stories because the accounting practitioners themselves, when you talk, Martin, about where do these grade A clients hang out, you said what they see, what they read, what they listen to. It's not just physically where they are. So these accounting practitioners could be telling stories all the time and being a spearhead of marketing to complement the marketing efforts. That's right. So if there is an image conjuring up in your mind, dear listener, of all these people suddenly telling your stories everywhere all the time, that's not what we're discussing. That's not what plays out in reality. What plays out in reality is incremental growth. You tell a story via a social media channel. Somebody tells you that they saw it. You tell them to tell somebody else about it. And it spreads what we might call virally in that way. So that over a period of time, people get to know you for being the storytellers. They might not even know who your stories are or the content of those stories. They simply know that you've got the stories to tell because you've got the track record, because you're a superior accounting firm. That's what brings the grade A clients to your door. What they're looking for is not competent accountancy. They've got competent accountancy with their current firm. They're looking for improvement, perpetual improvement, and a firm who's proactive to go with them. This is brilliant, Martin. And just to finish off, what would you say to the accountants listening that say, well, I haven't got any good stories? Then that's not a problem. That's, an, that's a common starting point. Two answers to that. Number one, they if they think about it for longer than 10 minutes, it, they'll start to find it. Yeah, where they've made a difference, what results they've when they, you know, what's the best outcome you ever got from your client, for a client ever? And unless you're starting your accounting practice today, you've got one of those. Secondly, if you really are, if you are perhaps a senior manager in accounting firm listening to this and thinking, well, I don't have direct relationships, so I don't know how to tell these stories. You simply go to your partners and you ask them. You go to your colleagues and you ask them. And you find out what the firm's stories are, not what your stories are, but what the firm's stories are, and then you make them yours. So if you want to know, here's what works in attracting greater clients, unearth your success stories, and by whatever means, tell your success stories, and you will start to attract these greater clients. Thank you, Martin. That's great. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast, cutting through the crap to bring you the very best interviews, insights, and wisdom from the planet's most influential people in the accounting and fintech world. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. A welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have with me today the wonderful Sam Allred. Hello, sir. Hello, Rob. Thanks so much for having me on. Sam, super to have you on. Some people may not have come across you, so tell us a bit about your background and your areas of passion and expertise. Uh, I've spent my entire career in public accounting. I started with one of the big eight firms, Maine Herdman, that's now become KPMG, one of the big four. I started in compliance and, and the door opened to get into consulting within my second year of my career. So I've spent most of my entire career on the consulting side of things, being an advisor to clients. About 20 years ago, I started to work with accounting firms full-time. So for almost 21 years, I have worked with literally four to 500 accounting firms across North America. Started an organization called Upstream Academy. It's really management consulting with accounting firms, helping them get continually better, helping them become high-performance firms. That's really what we're focused on. What kind of shape do you feel the accounting professional 
profession is in right now, Sam? Well, I think it's in great shape. When we started into this pandemic, there was concern. What's going to be the impact? There were a lot of firms that did projections saying, well, how will we do if we're 30% below budget? The vast majority of clients I have are somewhere between 5 and 12% above their last year budget that they set coming into this year, not knowing there would be a pandemic. Most of them have eclipsed their performance last year. And the vast majority of clients I have last year was their best year ever. So when you ask how we're doing, to think that we would do that well in the face of a global pandemic, it just tells you how resilient we are, how needed we are with clients. And so the vast majority of clients I have are having a banner year in the midst of a significant pandemic that borders on recession at times. Yeah, but that's purely down to your intervention, isn't it, that they're doing so well? Thanks for pointing out what I thought was the obvious. <laughs> so what are the challenges that accounting firms are facing right now? Yeah, you're talking about some good stories there and some uplift, but that's unusual. We are in tough times, aren't we? Well, the biggest challenge that they were facing coming into this year was how do you retain good people? Certainly a pandemic helps in that retention, but that certainly was their biggest issue headed into this year. That and the fact that they have such a high percentage of partners retiring, the baby boomer bubble as it moves through. Most firms face significant retirement of partners, and that changes dynamics. It changes relationships. It certainly spreads opportunity throughout the firm for those that are younger, but those are probably the biggest challenges. One of them that came because of this year is firms realized that they could work remotely. I mean, it was overnight. They went from expecting everybody to be in the office to working very effectively remotely, and they were excited that they could make a change that quick. But with that has come a challenge that the remote workforce, it's proven difficult to hang on to your culture, keep it as high as it was in the past with a remote workforce. And that's caused a lot of concerns. The best firms speak very highly of culture. They say it's everything. Culture is how everybody feels about the firm, how everybody thinks about the firm, how everybody talks about the firm. Can you maintain that high culture when you have a remote workforce, when people don't literally work with each other? I know you can do Zoom and you can do all kinds of things, but that's not the same as working side by side and being on a project and handling a difficult situation and encountering a challenging client or whatever it is. And firms have a really high element of concern right now. What do we do to strengthen culture when there's no apparent window opening that looks like we're going to be back together really soon working side by side in an office? So that's a big concern right now. The firms that are getting it right with culture at distance, what are they doing well? I don't know that I would say any firm wants to stand up there and wave their flag and say, look at us, shine a spotlight. Caring about it is a start. Yeah. I mean, there are firms out there that don't care about it, that don't even think about it. Just caring about it means you'll bring a focus to it. You'll continually try things. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's what the best firms are doing now. They're trying lots of different things. They're saying, okay, Zoom meetings aren't enough. So what can we begin to do? They're delving more into their employees' family situation and, and what do they need and how can they allow them to celebrate something at home, be it a birthday, an anniversary, a graduation, a marriage, whatever it might be. Even though we can't all be there, what can we do to represent the firm? Firms are trying and doing lots of different things. I don't worry about those firms. If they care about it and they're trying things, they're smart enough, they'll figure things out. This is a different environment. So you have to feel your way through it. You don't look at any kind of a handbook and it tells you, here's what you do in a global pandemic to maintain culture at a distance. Sure. And when you care about it, you're more intentional with it, aren't you? You're more purposeful. Do you know what, Rob? Intentionality is what makes those firms the best firms. Yeah. Seriously, they're intentional about the right things at the right time. And intentionality means 
that they're not just hoping, living what I call the strategy of hope. And I always say hope's a sweet, wonderful virtue, but it stinks as a strategy. <laughs> and there's a lot of firms that live the strategy of hope. They hope everything will work out and hope never delivers in that way. Yeah, Hope is more faith-based, but it doesn't deliver from a business standpoint. And so I think the firms that are intentional are the ones that are going to win. And when you say win, what does getting it right look like? What are the upsides of a strong culture? Oh, I think you retain people. It's the glue that keeps everybody there. Rob, it's the glue that keeps your rock stars and your superstars at the firm. I mean, a rock star is just the steady uh, individual that always delivers. You can always count on. They'll always do the right thing. They'll always show up. They'll always be accountable. They'll always contribute. And a superstar is something that blows you away with their talent, skill, and ability. And you can't afford to lose rock stars and superstars. And very literally, culture is what keeps them engaged. It's what helps them advance. It's what keeps them at the firm. It's what keeps them talking positively about the firm to their peers and clients. And they're the ones that our clients value. They're the ones that partners value. They're the ones that most likely can become new partners, owners in the firm. And so culture is literally the glue that keeps your rock stars and superstars. And if if it's strong, you're going to retain them. If it's not strong, they're going to go somewhere else. I have a saying, but nobody chooses a dysfunctional family. If you're born into one, you make the most of it, but nobody makes that as a conscious choice. And when a firm doesn't have a strong culture, in so many ways, they look dysfunctional. And your rock stars and superstars who have the most options in the marketplace, they'll go somewhere else. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same in North America there, Sam, but certainly when you talk to managing partners of large accounting firms over here in the UK and you say, what is your biggest challenge? Very often they'll say getting enough of the right people to drive our growth. Do you find that over there? Oh yeah, it's all about people. I'm sure you've read Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, Mm -hmm. but his chapter three of that book, it ought to be chiseled in stone somewhere because it is so sensical in, in what it teaches. But it's, it's the team bus? Yeah, it's it's get the wrong people off the bus, get the right people on your firm bus and get them in the right seats. And it's not a lot more complex than that. And I think the really good firms do a wonderful job of exactly that. Recognizing very early who shouldn't be on our firm bus. And it's strange. I have found firms, the impression they give you about an individual is they're not very good, but they're better than nobody at all. That is the most <laughs> foolish statement there is. Yeah. And so the really good firms understand that. They get great people. They keep them. It's all about keeping great people because that's what allows you to fulfill your promises while your clients perpetuate the firm. Everything good comes from having your right people on the bus. Mm. Let's talk about the career path for an accountant. If you're coming into this game, would you be excited by a career in accounting right now, Sam? Because it's changed, doesn't it? It's not what it, it was a few years it's, back. It's changed. The answer is an emphatic yes, if you understand the benefits offered by a career in public accounting. The challenge, I think, is firms don't do a very good job selling themselves at all. We have a leadership program. Upstream Academy has a leadership program. It's called ELA, Emerging Leaders Academy. And at any given time, it's got 500 plus people in it. And these people are handpicked. It's not a self-selection program by partners in their firm because there's a belief this will be our next partner. These will be partners. So it's full of people that are handpicked to be the best of the best, if you will. And we have conferences each year and there's so many of them, we never all put them in one conference. You don't want a conference with 500 people in it and hope you'll have great interaction and give them a chance to share and all that kind of stuff. Have it feel like a workshop. We try to keep it in groups of probably 85 to 90 or less. These individuals have generally been with their firm probably eight years, nine years. So I mean, long enough to know what it's like. So in table rounds of five to seven people around a table, I gave them an extra 
exercise in multiple conferences, this the same exercise. And it was, if you or anybody chose to just stay at your firm and make that their entire career, what would be the benefits? What would be the significant benefits if they chose to just stay where they are and make that their career, not look over the fences? They came out with 23 significant benefits. I'd ask, you know, share a benefit. Somebody would raise their hand. I'd call them and they'd say, you get to work with professionals every single day. And immediately a hand would go up. I thought it was somebody wanting to share another one. And so I would call on that person. They'd say, I just want to make a comment about what was just shared. And then the comment that I heard on every one of these things was, don't take this for granted. Yeah. I was in a public accounting firm. I left, I went to industry. And on day one, I realized I was no longer working with professionals. Mm-hmm. And you look at these things, the ability to specialize, flexibility, financial stability. I mean, job security, you don't have firms that go out of business. The respect in a community, the fact that you get to work on a whole variety of stimulating things that you've got a path to partner, that you're always asked to take the high road. You're never asked to do something that's immoral or illegal or unethical. And, and, and it went on and on. 23 significant benefits. And, and I think you'd be hard pressed to find another industry that would offer 23 significant benefits like that. So when you asked me, would you be excited about a career in public accounting? I said, boy, if you really knew what it offered, yeah. I don't know who else offers what we have. It's unbelievable. But firms don't do a good job of touting that. And I'm thinking to myself, why would you not tell somebody, here's the 20 benefits you could get if you made this your career. So if you ever are enticed to look over the fence, match up these benefits. Because so often the stories of how many people left and then immediately recognized one of them was advancement opportunities. Somebody said in an accounting firm, everybody shares advancement opportunities. And a young lady raised her hand and I called on her and she said, you know what? I left public accounting. I went into private industry and I realized there were such limited advancement opportunities. If there was a new opportunity, only one person could get it. So nobody wanted to help you. Mm. It wasn't collaborative. It wasn't teamwork. Everybody was fighting to see who could get this advancement opportunity. She said that was so foreign from being in an accounting firm where everybody could be advanced to supervisor, to manager, to senior manager, on to partner if they wanted to and were willing to work for it. That's kind of an amazing thing. Yeah. Sometimes you hear emerging leaders, as you call them, want to be partners saying, I don't know what I need to do to make partner. Where does that come from? Is that a cultural thing? Is that a leadership thing? The firm's not communicating that? If it's a leadership thing, Rob, it's poor leadership. Yeah. Too many firms struggle to clarify what the path is to partner. It's almost like they mystify it rather than clarify it. The whole path seems shrouded in mystery. And so if I'm a manager and I say to a partner, how am I doing and what do I need to do? I'm more likely to hear you doing just fine. Yeah. around. You'll be okay. We'll look after you. Yeah, We'll let you know when you're ready. And and they're not (laughs) willing to say, Sam, here are your strengths. You need to play more to these strengths. And Sam, here are your weaknesses. And you need to do some damage control because we're not really anxious to have you bring these weaknesses into this partner group. Mm -hmm. And these are the specific things you need to work on. And here's where you are in the path. And here's your reasonable timeline. And we're willing to help you. I I make that sound easy, but Rob, it's not rocket science. And I'm amazed how many firms struggle to clarify their path to partnership and how many young people are sincerely frustrated by not knowing where they are. You couldn't devise something that would be more frustrating to somebody than to mystify the path and never let them know where they are. No, I totally get that. When we look at the demographics of an accounting firm, and you hinted at it earlier, Sam, we have had these baby boomers in situ at the top 
there's going to be a vacuum because the average partner in the UK at least is around 52, 53 years old. They're moving up and on. We've got other people coming through, the millennials and the Gen X and Gen Zs. Are they equipped well enough, do you feel, as leaders to take over the mantle from these baby boomers and carry on with these firms? Oh, certainly some of them are. I think that we do a poor job of rapidly developing the skills of these young people. Let's go back to that word intentional. And listen, that differentiates a firm. Every single thing we've talked about differentiates a high-performing firm from a low-performing firm. Yeah. I mean, in a high-performing firm, they will identify their up-and-coming partners seven years out, seven years before they become a partner. And they'll call them their bench strength or some other term. And they'll say, these are the ones that we believe have what it takes to become a partner. Let's work with these. They'll be assigned a partner to be their coach. They'll work with them. They'll work to develop their skills, rapidly develop skills. They'll work to do damage control on personal weaknesses because frankly, everybody's got some weaknesses and they'll be prepared to be a partner. You meet them that far out and you intentionally develop them. Those are the firms that are really well suited for the future that will easily perpetuate themselves because they're developing future partners. The vast majority of firms probably are waiting for them to develop themselves. You're in the bleachers and you're commenting on them on the field and how they're doing Mm. and whether you think they're going to get to the end zone or not, rather than being on the field and helping them move the ball. And it is intentional. And I look at the best firms do an incredible job intentionally developing future partners. And yet other firms at the other end of the spectrum do a really poor job. They leave it up to the individuals to develop himself or herself. And development's pretty slow under that that kind of uh, that program. Now, accounting firms are hierarchical. They have a pyramid structure. There are less people at the top. So can everybody have a stellar career in accounting, Sam? Can everyone move up? Well, I think everybody could. The question is, will everybody? And the answer is no. I would say probably the biggest mistake that I see made when it comes to having a stellar career, most people get in the backseat of their career bus rather than getting their hands on the steering wheel. So I allow somebody else to make all those important decisions. What clients I'm going to work on, what engagements I'm going to be in charge of, what new skills I'm going to learn. In many cases, I'm sitting in the backseat of my career bus rather than trying to get in the front seat and get my hands on the steering wheel. And I'm allowing other people to make those kinds of decisions for my career. And you got to be honest, people may love the people that work with them. The leaders may care deeply about them, but nobody is staying up late at night trying to figure out how to help Rob Brown have a stellar career. Mm. Rob's got to do that. Sam's got to do that. And in many cases, I'm amazed at people that will not get in the front seat and get their hands on their own steering wheel of their career. And so when you ask, can everybody have a stellar career? I think the answer is yes. Will they? No. They could have a good career and likely will. I think about those 23 benefits I shared. What a wonderful place to be. But that's a good career. A stellar career is this kind of career that you want to talk about. You're amazed by. It's so many different aspects of a stellar career. It's not just the financial side that I can afford to retire and do whatever I want to do, but it's also that I made a difference in the lives of clients, a literal difference where I heard time and time again, you were such a better organization or I'm such a better individual because of your help, that you made a difference in the lives of your peers, that you develop friends, close lifelong friends from your clients and on and on and on. A stellar career, in my mind, is very different than a good career, yet everybody could have that stellar career if they would apply themselves and do the basic things that it requires to have a stellar career, the things that I'm calling getting your hands on the steering wheel of your career, and so often they don't. Yeah. So in our methodology here at the Business Development Academy, we say that there are five core skills that are 21st century 
century accountant needs to be super effective and have a stellar career. So see if you agree with these, Sam, and add any to the mix. So the first is technical skills. You've got to know your basics. That's your foundation. Then there's technological skills these days. You've got to know more than being able to turn a computer on and off. You've got to know your way around the tech and the app stack and everything else. Then you need commercial acumen, that business sense, almost an entrepreneurial spirit. After that, you need people skills. And he's not in a particular order, but you've got to know how to talk to people and empathy, which is not normally associated with CPAs and accountants. And that final one then is selling skills. And I'm not just talking about generating revenue and being that rainmaker, but you've got to be able to sell ideas and opinions and visions and things like that, haven't you? So they, for us, are the core five. Would you add any to that? Rob, I might have approached it from a different standpoint. Certainly, I love every one of those skills. I think they're vital to having success. There's things that individuals do every day that may not necessarily be building skills, but it would get their hands on the steering wheel of their career. Okay. Some of those things would be learning what their strengths are and learning how to play to their strengths. Because strengths aren't necessarily one particular skill. Strengths are being able to recognize what unique talents and abilities has Sam already been given that Sam really needs to play to, yeah. to a significant extent. The stuff you find easy that other people find difficult. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for me, I never thought I was a speaker until I was like, I don't know, 25, 26 years old into my career. And I gave a presentation one time and and I remember it didn't scare me to death for the first time. And I remember actually thinking in the middle of it, wow, you're doing pretty good. This is yeah. different. And, and so I took the time to think about it and, and ponder it and then and then do another one. And, and all of a sudden I found like, wait a minute, you're not scared to death and you're, you don't mind tangents. You can find your way back. And so the more I opened those doors and explored that, I didn't realize when I was 26, that would ever be a strength. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't when I was 12. It wasn't when I was 18. But once I realized it was a strength, by pursuing that, it just opened door after door. Another thing that I would look at is comfort zones. The single biggest mistake I see people making in the difference between, will I have a stellar career, just an okay career? How much do I like my comfort zone? How much do I want to stay in my comfort zone? Or how much am I willing to be uncomfortable? How much am I willing to feel the butterflies, stretch myself, do something I haven't done before? And I see people in our profession, unfortunately, thousands of them that are willing to get in and stay in their comfort zone. And they might be very good at what they do, but they already know how to do it. So they're living off of existing skills. Yeah. But wait a minute, Sam, we're talking about accountants here, then risk averse. They want to play it safe. So in their comfort zone is a safe place to be. Oh, it is. So think about how what a blessing it is to advance rapidly if in an accounting firm, you're willing to be one of the few that gets out of your comfort zone, Yeah, that takes on assignments. My all-time favorite quote by Thomas Edison, he said, opportunity is missed by most people because it comes dressed in overalls and looks like work. Oh, yeah. So think about the individual that's willing to say, I'll take that difficult client. I'll take that engagement. I'll take that challenging assignment and use it as an incredible step stone and then turn around and look for another one. That's the interesting thing that I see so many people in our profession not doing. They don't want to feel the butterflies. Yeah. And the butterflies are what happens when we're willing to step out and stretch ourselves. They're not willing to seek corrective feedback. They're not willing to go to people and say, look, I want you to give it to me straight. How did I do in that presentation? How did I do on that assignment? What could I do better? And you know what? People around us every day know what we did. They know how we could do better, but they don't want to hurt our 
feelings. And it's awkward sometimes, usually, to give open, honest, constructive feedback. So if we never ask for it, we're likely not to hear it. Most evaluations aren't open, honest evaluations in our profession. They're perfunctory, so they can check a mark on the file and say, hey, we did it. So that, to me, is something else somebody could do to get their hands on the steering wheel of their career, becoming an expert. So many people become really good generalists. On a scale of one to 10, 10 being world-class knowledge, they're a five and six in a bunch of different stuff. You're going to have a way better career if you're an eight, nine, or 10 in fewer things than if you're a five or six in tons of different things. Yeah. I'm reminded of the quote by John Maxwell there, Sam, where he says, say no to the good so you can say yes to the great. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So to me, that's what probably differentiates the stellar career from the okay career. And listen, okay career, that's not a negative. Our profession gives hundreds of thousands of people really good careers, but it could give them stellar careers. That's up to the individual. And the individual needs to be willing to say, I've got to work at it. I've got to get out of my comfort zone. I've got to be intentional. Stephen Covey, he had this time management matrix of four quadrants. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Earth- that the Eisenhower matrix? Absolutely. And he talked a lot about getting stuck in quadrant one. Everything's yeah. urgent. Everything's important. Our profession, that's like a Hoover Deluxe vacuum. It sucks you into quadrant one and mm. everything's urgent. They go from one urgent deadline to the Firefighting. next. Firefighting. Absolutely. And Covey said, if you want to have the highest quality life, the highest quality career, you'll spend time regularly in quadrant two. Things that are important, but they're not urgent. Yeah. And I remember that being such a light bulb moment for me when I read that and started to do that. And now literally on a regular basis, I'm making quadrant two time available because to me, that's what creates that stellar career is that it's planning, it's prevention, it's values, clarification, it's processes, processes, those kinds of things. Those are the things that we need to spend more time on in quadrant two. And they're the kinds of things that sit in the corner of the room and they're very patient and say, you don't need to work on me right now. I'll be here whenever you find the time. So you have to become very disciplined to work on them because they never get in your face and demand your time. That to me is one of those stellar career paths is learn to spend time in quadrant two. Yeah, this is fantastic, Sam. You work all over the world with professional firms. If people want to find out more about the great stuff that you do there at Upstream Academy, what's a good way for them to reach you? Probably our website, upstreamacademy.com. That's the easiest way to reach us, see the kinds of things that we do that we can help with. And what would they find if they went there? They would find a host of programs. We do some consulting with firms one-on-one, actually a fair amount of it. But if you want to have the greatest impact, you've got to approach what you do in a far more leverageable manner by being able to help a hundred firms at one time rather than one firm at a time. You can make a bigger difference. So we develop an incredible amount of programs that help accounting firms get significantly better, measurably better. And uh, those programs are really well attended, well supported, and firms can do it from all over the globe, participate in those programs. So they would find a host of programs if they went to our Upstream Academy website. That's fantastic. And would you leave us, Sam, for the accountants listening that do want to have a stellar career, that do want to make a difference, maybe even leave some kind of a legacy or footprint with their career? What would you say to them? Uh, I'm going to go back to that word intentional that we've used. Quadrant two is all about deciding what to be intentional about. But if you never set aside the time, you'll never even think about it. And too many times people go through a day, a week, a year, and just be largely reactionary. So I would say be intentional. Set aside some time on a regular basis. Think big, think deep, look at the future, look at what you really want, and then develop and execute a plan 
plan so that you're intentionally moving the direction you want to go. That's what I call getting the hands on the steering wheel of your career bus and not letting somebody else just steer it. Yeah. Sam Allred, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. You bet, Rob. Hey, best wishes to you. This is the Accounting Influencers Podcast with Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. That was the Accounting Influencers Podcast. You've been listening to the Monday Bumper episode where we're giving all four critical segments, the news, the expert interviews, the special guest interviews, and the Here's What Works practical section. And just to wrap up what you've been hearing today, we kicked off with the news that this podcast is broadcasting live from Accountex, one of the biggest accounting and fintech events in the world, and we will be the broadcasting partner there. Doing some live interviews with all the important people in the world of accountancy and the vendors that supply and serve them. Then we had an interview with Hitendra Patil and we talked about selling client accounting services, moving that from that compliance trap into truly advising your clients as the trusted go-to accounting partner for what they need. Then we had an interview with Sam Allred, he is a big favorite of ours. He's done a few interviews. We'll be bringing them back to you. And we talked about building a stellar accounting career. Wherever you are in your career journey, there are always things you can do to level up, to be more influential, have more flexibility, autonomy, power, choice in your career. And Sam has the lowdown on what it takes to do that. And in Here's What Works, we talked about what accountants need to do to attract and win grade A clients. If you've got any kind of business development angle to your role, You'll need to do the things that Martin shared with you there because generating revenue for your firm, bringing in new clients, new opportunities is what gets you on the fast track to promotion and gives your voice in your accounting practice. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our commercial partners, Dext, Aris, Practice Ignition and Accountex. It's great to have you on board with us and we look forward to joining you for the shows throughout the week and the Saturday bonus episode.